0: A warm. Welcome to Afternoons With Me. I'm Bill Arnold. I hope you are having a great day. We had a great first hour and we're going to have a great hour this hour. Beverly Canaris is my guest. We're going to talk about love. You're not going to want to miss any of this. You know, there's so many great verses in scripture that talk about love. I'm just going to read a couple. This is not any that we're going to deal with today, but I love uh, Proverbs 10:12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Proverbs 17, 9 says, Whoever would foster love covers over an offense. Love that, too. And 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. That uh, are some verses I just love. But we're going to talk about one of the, the great love chapters, which is 1 Corinthians 13. And Beverly Canaris has taught Bible Study Fellowship for over 30 years. She's retired now from that particular uh, calling that God had on her life for three decades, but she still loves to teach and to mentor and to uh, share the love of Christ with just about anyone. And she's here today to uh, talk about love. Bev, hi.
1: Hi. Nice to be here, Bill. Thank
0: you. And I love 1 Corinthians 13.
1: I do so, too. Well,
0: I bet we have a, a plan for today and a purpose and a goal, don't we? I hope we do.
1: We do. We do. Um, I've just been thinking an awful lot about um, this word love, and I, this song keeps going through my head. What the world needs now is love, sweet love, you know, love, love, love. And I, when I, I remember hearing that song thinking, uh, honey, you're oversimplifying things a little bit <laughs> here. But um, after spending this kind of time in the study of First Corinthians 13, this love chapter, you know what, Bill? I feel differently. I feel that that is exactly what we need right now.
0: Mm -hmm. So Deanna Warwick got your attention, huh?
1: She did. She did. She was in my head. (laughs) Okay.
0: And that prompted 1 Corinthians 13, which I love.
1: It did. It really did. And, you know, it's been a long time since I've really studied this. And it was really good for me to go through these qualities of love and to think about it, think about my relationships as well. You know, I've just seen so much anger and bitterness flowing between people as we have to deal with the pandemic, the racial, social issues, and not to mention an upcoming election. It can get pretty nasty out there with a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness. But, you know, before we can talk about love, I want to talk about bitterness for just a minute. The Bible warns about having a root of bitterness in our lives. Hebrews 12, "...make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God." and that no bitter root grows up and defile many. So how do we overcome bitterness? How can we let go of our bitterness and take hold of love instead? So that's where we're going this morning. You have our attention. It's afternoon now, isn't it? Yes, it is. (laughs) Um, So let's just go back to that verse I just read. It talks about Make every effort to live at peace with everyone. How in the world can we do that? We can't in our own strength. Then it goes and it talks about being made holy by God. So it's through faith in Christ, and then through that faith in Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes into us, transforms us, and because we cannot be holy in our own efforts, we cannot be at peace with others in our own efforts, and we can't love on our own. Falling short of God's grace just means is to miss out on the forgiveness and the transformation that Christ can give us in our lives and also the ability to forgive others. It's hard to forgive others if you don't feel the forgiveness yourself. So this bitter root, which really the causes of having a bitter root, it could be so varied, but usually it's a person who's been hurt and the hurt has brought in a lot of anger. And so what happens is in their heart, there gets to be this kind of foothold, this bitter root. And the reason it's called that is because it's deep in us. It's, it's, it's what's, everything else is kind of growing out of that bitterness in our life, you know, and it defiles many. That's what scripture says. So you not only keep that to yourself, you share that bitterness with others. Bitterness is really serious business. It's a cancer and it's contagious and bitter people have a hard time loving. Bitter people feel they have every right to their feelings, their perspectives. Bitterness is something that festers, spills out to others, and then you make others bitter too. So it's it's not a pretty picture of how it spreads from one person to another. Bitter people look for fights. Bitterness will steal our joy, our peace, our, and so importantly, with, with looking at 1 Corinthians 13, it will steal our love for others. So what's the answer to the bitter root problem that's defiling many? The answer is love. It is what the world needs now. Dion was right all along. Uh, Now, we need to define love a little bit, though. It's not something that's real syrupy, some kind of weak little sentiment. Love is powerful, very powerful. It's life-transforming. Love is culture-transforming. So love's just not a, bun- a bunch of feelings. Love is really action, and that's what we see here in First Corinthians chapter 13. The Bible tells us, too, that God is love. God's, one of God's attributes is love. John three sixteen for God so loved the world, he sent his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him may have life. Um, love motivated God to send Jesus so we could have a loving relationship with him. If then we've received Christ, we have God within us in the person of the Holy Spirit, God's own nature within us. God's own love then, because God is love, and that's his attribute, is within us. Then we can have the kind of love that's found in 1 Corinthians 13. Our own efforts to love will always fall short. We need to seek to have God's love flow through us. I know I've had people in my life, Bill, that I've had to ask the Lord, Lord, love them. May you love them through me because I don't feel it. I mm-hmm. just don't have it right now. But it has to be an outflow. God has to be in us and it has to be an outflow of his love to really love like what First Corinthians 13 encourages us to love. Romans 5.5 5 is also uh, really helpful here. It says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given us. So when we receive Christ, we receive this gift of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in us. And it is through that presence that we can love others. You know, you often hear 1 Corinthians 13 read at weddings, don't you? You Mm -hmm. can almost predict it. You can kind of almost finish the sentences. We can actually suffer from overexposure to these verses. And you know what happens when we have overexposure to the scriptures? We get a little hard in our heart. We start to kind of ignore them. We can uh, think that, oh, this ideal of love is so unattainable that we can't take it seriously and apply it to ourselves. It's just, it's too far of a reach, And, you know, Proverbs 31 gets the same kind of response for women. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm not going to bother with that. That's this ideal that no one can attain. So let's take a fresh look at these familiar words. And as you listen, listeners, uh, think about today in your life and think about what is happening in our culture. So, Let me just give you a little background on the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, He's writing to the city, the Apostle Paul is writing to the city of Corinth. Christianity was new in the city, and Paul lays out for the Corinthians where they're really out of line uh, in many areas as a church. Chapter 12, before this love chapter, Paul addresses the subject of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts happen when we receive Christ again and we receive that gift of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. He brings with him a special gifted talent that we are to take and use to build up the church. It's not for us. It's for the church and for others. Some examples are prophets, teachers, healing, helping, tongues. Some people have put them in two categories of serving and speaking That could be one way to look at that. Well, the Corinthians were misusing these spiritual gifts. So instead of building up the church, they were actually causing harm with them. Paul tried to give this body illustration of one where, you know, your fingers, your toes, everything about you should be working together. And that's how the church should be working. We're all individuals with individual giftedness and and uniqueness about us. And we're all to be working together for good. But the basic problem with the Corinthian church was they had a lack of love in the exercise of their gifts if the church is going to be the church in a world where there's so many bitter roots they have to love as a core purpose and value so all spiritual gifts what paul is saying here are to be done in the most excellent way of love He writes, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. I can give all I possess to the poor and give my body over to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So, The truth here we want to take away from just these first few verses is this, that only God's love can heal the bitter root.
0: That's a good place to take a little break. What a lovely start to this beautiful chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. Beverly Canaris is my guest. We're talking about love, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Song or are we listening to what's inside Bev's brain right now?
1: This is Bev's inner monologue. <laughs> oh, okay,
0: inner monologue. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Sung by Dionne Warwick. Yes, yeah. yeah. much better voice than mine. Sometimes but, secular
0: boy. things motivate you right to God's word, don't they?
1: They do. They do. And it, there's and truth in it. There is truth in it. You know, everything that is not in the Bible that doesn't mean there's no truth anywhere else. Um, Paul really here at the beginning of chapter thirteen, he named five different spiritual gifts, but his whole point was. Without the proper motivation behind it, without love behind the exercise of these gifts, it's only going to be, it's just going to be nothing. It's not going to bear the eternal um, good that it's supposed to bear. You see, because we can serve other people with like a competitive spirit trying to be better than others or a prideful spirit trying to build ourselves up. Um, and You know, do it out of bitterness or anger rather than love. So, we may do good, but not to God's glory, but to our own. So, this is really a warning as to how we use our spiritual gifts that God has given us, that they're to be always uh, from a base of love. You know, Christ was asked the most important commandment, and this was his answer, of course, in Matthew 22 Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And then the night before he went to the cross, he said to the, his disciples, I com- I com- this command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone know- will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So how do we love as Jesus loved us? John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life, for one's friends and you are my friends. So the word for love here in 1 Corinthians 13 is agape. And agape love is a love that sacrifices for the good of others. So when Jesus said he laid down his life because of that love, that's really a challenge for us then to love others, um, sacrificing in order for the good of others. It is the love Christ has for us. And so we're to pass that on to others, this kind of sacrificial love for others. Um, our, our takeaway from these first few verses really is this, that spiritual gifts exercised in love will produce the eternal good. But it has to be, again, when we're uh, out to do good, that the purpose behind it must be love. My son is a pastor, and uh, when he was just starting out, I had been doing ministry for many years and um, teaching the Bible, and he asked me, you know, Mom, what, what would be your one little piece of advice for me? And I remember thinking about that and saying, you know, the most important thing you can do is love the people you're teaching. That's the most important, because they're going to feel that love through whatever you're teaching. Point. So that, that, that love behind the exercise of his spiritual gifts is what was going to make him Um, effective, and helpful to the body of Christ. Well, let's pick up the chapter in um, 1 Corinthians 13 with verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Now, Bill, you had mentioned a way that you had thought about this. Well,
0: I was encouraged to take this verse and apply it to myself. Make it as personal as you can. And every time you see the word love or it, just put your name. So Bill is patient. Bill is kind. Bill does not envy. Bill does not boast. Bill is not proud. It's just one of those exercises that you sort of speak truth about yourself if you want to be loving.
1: Yes, and once you
0: once you hear yourself say that, you go, "Wow, wow, I'd really like to be that person."
1: (laughs) Well, it helps you to to define love in very practical ways. Mm -hmm. So that's what I want to do next is just to look at each one of these characteristics and kind of define them for us and and talk about what that would look like. First of all, love is patient. Well, we know that God is patient. It's in Scripture; it says that He is slow to anger and long-suffering. We also know that patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So if we have the Holy Spirit living in us, this should be a quality that we exhibit, that love is patient. This means really practically that we have a long fuse. We're, we're slow to anger. We can bear with these small annoyances, and we don't complain about it. We give ourselves and we give others room. You know, just let them breathe. Mm-hmm. Don't be um, impatient. Be generous with people. Um and in patience, we return good for the wrongs. Second, love is kind. I love this. This is, I think, one of my favorite descriptions. Kindness makes for great relationships. Kindness is a quality of love that builds up and fills that love tank in others. Kindness. Our words can make such a difference in people's lives. You know, are our words kind to our children, even when we're disciplining? Do we save the kind words for strangers and are harsh with our family, those we say we love? You know, kindness goes a long way to demonstrate love. Often, when I'm at a bridal shower, they'll say, Oh, what is your little piece of advice for the bride to be? And very often, I'll say, Be kind. Be kind. It it goes a long way in relationships. Third, this says that love does not envy, jealousy is not of God. Uh, when we compare ourselves to others, we're always going to come up short. We need to look to God, follow his will for our lives. He has a unique path for each one of us. You know, a test, if you want to know, Bill, if you're an envious person or not, how do we react when others receive blessings or benefits that we don't? Ooh, boy. Yeah. That will tell us right away. Also, it says that love does not boast and is not proud. You know, we can think we're more important than we are. It's not a pretty picture to see pride that wants to exalt themselves. The proud and the boastful are usually the most insecure people, Mm -hmm. right? Because they have to constantly toot their own horn, you might say. And they're going to be the ones who will struggle to love others, too, because they're very Mm self-absorbed. And I believe that a lot of these people who are boastful and proud and very self-absorbed, I think their love tank is empty, and it got emptied from something that makes it really hard for them to love others. Fourth, love is not rude. It doesn't dishonor people. I don't see us as a very polite culture today.
0: I don't either, Bev.
1: Yeah. And I really think that's what this is saying. It's not rude. Um, We have forgotten the common courtesy to give one another, politeness, manners. I think we're more valued in former generations than ours. Another one is love is not easily angered. This ties back to the patience of love. It's patient. We shouldn't just be a powder keg ready to blast off. Love keeps no record of wrongs. This can be very difficult. The Bible says that God remembers our sins no more when we receive the forgiveness of Christ. But people, Bill, have their lists, don't they? They do. We can even hide it from ourselves. I didn't know till I was 40 years old that I had a lot of unforgiveness in my life. And finally, God brought it out through a period of depression. I also know a person who carried around in his wallet the name of a man who hurt his family. And when he was with a small group of men studying forgiveness, he showed the men that piece of paper and he took it out and he ripped it up. And he says, I've got, to, I've got to go through forgiveness. I can't carry around this anymore. But some of us have our names, our lists, mm-hmm. and we won't tear them up and forgive. That doesn't mean the person is off the hook. They're still wrong. What, what happened was wrong. Absolutely, you were wrong. But it frees you from the prison of unforgiveness. And it demonstrates that you have been forgiven and you can give then forgiveness to others it's It's a powerful thing in our lives, so we love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not rejoice in evil but delights in truth. You know, people can have a certain pleasure when they see people struggling or fall or something happens. Um, that does not honor God, and it's not loving. We are to love truth, we're to live by truth, and we're to speak the truth in love. Now, speaking the truth can be given in many ways, can't it? You've heard that tr- people can take the truth, bang, 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 over your head. Mm-hmm. But I love what Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. And that's something I want to always remember.
0: Yeah, sometimes when you hear somebody say, can I be brutally honest with you? I mean, most <laughs> of the time, they're more brutal than they are honest.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hold on to your seat.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. you want you want love and truth to be the guardrails. Yeah, Um. On the, on the highway. That way the car doesn't crash.
1: Love that illustration. Yeah. I can just picture it. I really can. Well, next it says that love always protects. You know, God's love for me means that he is my protector, my defender. This gives me such peace and confidence. And when we love others, we want to protect their reputation and not gossip, and we'll want to shield them from harm. Um, so that is part of loving people as well, protecting Love always trusts. You know, love thinks the best of others. Love gives the benefit of the doubt. Love deals with conflict lovingly. Um, When we treat each other with this kind of love, we're free then to be vulnerable, knowing that we're not going to be harshly judged because love trusts. Love always hopes. The love of God in us will look forward. Hopeful love. Knows that failure is not fatal and that God can work all things to good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Mm. Love is filled with optimism. And love has a future, as we're going to see when we finish this
0: chapter. All right, let me take a little break. Beverly Canaris is my guest. We're talking about 1 Corinthians 13, going through that famous love chapter. We're going to continue that. We'll take a little break. and We'll be right back. says love like a violin
1: i know isn't that beautiful (laughs)
0: listen to
1: that all day (laughs) some days i do it's good it's a good thing
0: it is a good thing beverly canaris is my guest and we are talking about first corinthians 13 the love chapter and i'm loving it
1: well we left off we just mentioned love always hopes there's optimism in love when it's true love and then love always perseveres um No matter what we may be going through, God will love us through each step. God perseveres with us, and loving others means walking with people through their hard days, being faithful in our support, even if it goes long-term. So God's love in us will help us to persevere in a difficult marriage, uh, to keep our faith in God's goodness through trials, to persevere through disappointing love that others may be putting our way. We just talked about this canceling culture that's going on in social media now where someone can just do the opposite of what these characteristics of love is talking about is canceling someone. You're canceled. In other words, you're out of my life. And I mean, people have been doing that for years. But now when you put it on social media, you are putting it out there for the world to see and to shame that other person. It's it is brutal. It is brutal. It's a bitter root, really, uh, and certainly not the way of love. A truth to remember here, then, as we went through all these characteristics of what love is and what it is not, is this. Love is power. Love is power. It's not just that syrupy sentiment. No. Love is a game changer. Not force, not violence. It's the
0: ultimate game changer. It is. Yeah.
1: Love is the radical choice of God, and it's supposed to be the radical choice for his people as well. Henrietta Mears, who was an old-time saint, mentored Billy Graham and others, she wrote this, men seem to f- worship force, but history shows us that the victories of force do not last, but the effects of love do. How could a radical choice to love change you and your situation today, listeners? And which of these attributes of love most challenge you? You know, God can help us develop agape love where we lack it. Well, now the final verses in 1 Corinthians 13 go into this lasting quality of love. Listen as I read a few of these verses about the transient nature of those spiritual gifts, starting in verse 8. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. So love is going to outlast all the other gifts. That's why it's superior to those gifts. Love will outlast prophecy, tongues, knowledge. These gifts were given to individuals for the building up of the church. However, there will be a day when Christ returns and his eternal kingdom is going to be fully realized. All prophecy will then be fulfilled. We will no longer need to teach each other. Our languages will no longer be many but one. Knowledge will be replaced with all God's people having a knowledge of God beyond what we have now. So what tremendous hope and that we have to look forward to. Whatever we know now, is going to be so little in comparison to what we know in the kingdom to come. So Paul is saying, keep in mind these gifts are just for the here and now. The body of Christ, the church, is going to have a day when it's complete. And today, though we grow closer to perfection through love and loving the Lord and each other, Ephesians 4.16 says, From him the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. So from him is Christ. The whole body, the whole church is joined together. We're all held together by every supporting ligament. That's all of us grows and builds itself up in love, in love. That's to be the essential in all of our caring for one another. The apostle Paul goes on to illustrate his point with two different pictures. First, he talks about there's an immature child. We did childish things until we grew up and put childish ways behind us. Being childish just means, Paul was trying to illustrate here, you know, right now we're like children. We, we, have, we do childish things. We only know so much. Being childish means we live for the temporary. But being an adult, we hopefully value the permanent more. So he's saying, grow up, Corinthians, and value what is permanent This faith, hope, and love, and not so much the gifts that are there for today. So today we are like those little children, but someday we're going to have a a, a new understanding of spiritual things that's going to be so much greater. Can you imagine seeing him face to face?
0: Oh my! Yeah, and mind blowing.
1: Are we really going to have those questions? I doubt it. I do too. I, you know, people talk about oh, that's one for you know to write down for to ask him later. I think once we see him, it, there will be a knowledge of God's greatness that will make all of our petty little questions just melt away.
0: To be in the presence of his love, it's going to be so overwhelming. I can't even describe it.
1: Yeah. Or I Or should I try? No, I, I don't even think we would think about those kind of questions. Second, he gives an illustration here of a poor reflection in a mirror. He's saying right now, you see, you're only seeing so much, but the day is coming When we see God face to face, um, God knows us perfectly, but our view of Him is still kind of cloudy. Isn't that reassuring? He knows us perfectly. Mm -hmm. I love that. Everybody wants to be known, and so Paul is saying here, He knows us. But someday, we the mirror is going to the blurriness in the mirror. We're going to be able to see Him in all His fullness. Um, Paul was saying the best really is yet to come. And we're not to be so short-sighted about the gifts that we have today. There's a glory coming. Um, Don't focus on the here and now so much. And then the final verse in this chapter 13 is really powerful. I'll read it to you. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Often in Scripture, we see those three huge concepts together. It's together many places. Faith, however, in this future time is going to be replaced by sight. Mm -hmm. We're going to see. Uh, We'll still trust in God and his goodness. Hope, hope, the hope of eternity and the kingdom of Christ is going to be fully realized, as will the hope of being changed. That gives me so much peace to know that when I do see Christ face to face, I'm going to become like him. Finally, that sinful nature will be permanently done away with. I hang on to that. I think that is such a hope that we can have. We're going to be changed. We're going to become like him. Now, we're still going to hope in the kingdom as we see it all come to fruition that it's been promised. But what the scripture says here, the greatest of these is love. So how is it the greatest? Because it will last forever. Love is eternal. It's the greatest because God is love. I have a good friend that does a lot of wonderful ministries, and she always says, we have to get the love thing right. And that has to be the basis of all our ministry. We've got to get the love thing right. As we mature in our faith, we should be growing in our love. Our love will endure into eternity where we continue to love God and others. Think about that. That's but a the gifts will that's a fall away.
0: Powerful thought. Yeah. 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 So when you say we've got to get this love thing right, it's uh, spot on. Isn't it? Mhm.
1: What we do in church now will disappear as far as gifts. I'm going to be out of a job. That's okay. And <laughs> you might be too. I sure I will be. So our motivation if it is to love will go with us. Mhm. So I wonder will we be taking a generous amount of love for God and others into Eternity. And just to kind of wrap up that thought is this, and this is a quote from a biblical scholar, um, and he wrote this Love is enduring, and what it produces will endure. So, love itself is enduring, and what it produces will endure. So, if we are going to have any kind of a fruitful legacy left for the Lord, it has to be done from the motivation of love, and that's what's going to endure. I read a book this past winter called Tattoos of the Heart, and it was written by a, name, a guy by the name of Greg Boyle, and he worked, he was a Catholic priest who worked in the, in the, um, uh, the gang-ridden area of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people thought he was a little crazy for going in there and starting up a ministry there, um, but he had an amazing, uh, an amazing ministry there. And he he loved these people, and he loved his work there, and he gave them purpose and meaning. He started businesses there where he employed them and, and helped them and, and, and would help them when they wanted to be helped and give them the hope and the opportunities. But listen to what he wrote at the end of the book here. He writes, and they trust you if you love them. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a call for our ministry, isn't it? If they trust you, they'll trust you if you love them. The task is not to bring them to hope, but to allow them to bring you to hope. You value them. They feel valuable. With loving kindness and attention, they find themselves returned to delight and the original beauty. And you are returned to the very same thing in the process. What's not to trust in that? I mean, he the, the stories he tells of how that wonderful thing of just loving these um, young people, most of them, and giving them opportunity was um, an amazing power that God used.
0: Yeah, I have to hand him a lot of credit because that type of person he's reaching out to in the gang, they don't trust anybody, and they're suspicious of everybody, and I'm not certain they have a lot of ability to receive love because of their their past and their history. Of course. so this, They've
1: got the, the empty love tank, most of them. This guy
0: is doing something right.
1: He is, and he gained a great deal of respect for the homies mm-hmm. and um, was able to really um, turn a lot of lives around, and then he would see them a lot of them gunned down as well. Wow. So it was a lot of pain, but, you know, he figured even if they returned and, and had a sense of being loved and then were murdered the next day, he felt like something happened there, that something good happened. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he didn't uh, idolize happily ever after
0: right? in that kind you, of an environment. try to talk to them about the Father's love uh, or the love of Jesus, they're, they're going to scratch their head a little bit, especially if they have come from a broken home or, you know, the, what do you mean love of the Father, you know? Yeah. I, I'm out here on my own making it happen.
1: Right, right. And they're uh, looking for those things in the gang itself. And um, that's where they find their identity and their love and where they want to get their love tank filled and their sense of purpose and and identity. And so I I just um, really see that the power of love in the most difficult of situations can really turn lives around. Well, love is faith and hope in action, really, when you look at those three words together love is being willing to sacrificially serve others, caring more for their welfare than even our own. That's agape love, a love God has given us, and then that we're then to turn around and share with others. So, you know, we really started today um, talking a lot about the direct contrast that between love and bitterness and we're warned that that bitter root can defile many, and especially the bitter person who has the root. So, you know, we got to ask ourselves, what's in our life? Um, is it the bitter root or yeah. is it the enduring love of
0: God? Yeah, I'm going to take a little break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about that, Bev, and say, how do we do a self-diagnostic on if, if we're bitter? Does someone else have to tell you you're a bitter person or is there some way it can be revealed? I'm sure the Holy Spirit will be willing to reveal that to you. But should you be asking uh, a person that you have you know, confidence in, do you think I'm a better a person? I mean, how do we determine? We're going to talk about that when we come back. Take a short break and be back in 90 seconds. back with Beverly Canaris. We're talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the big love chapter, and talking about the root of bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15 says, um, refers to a root of bitterness which, if it springs up, will trouble you, and thereby many will be defiled. So it sounds like there's a multiplying effect. If one person's bitter, it's going to contaminate others. In the Hebrew culture, any poisonous plant was called a bitter plant. Poison destroys, and the result of ingesting a poisonous plant would be bitter indeed. Mm. So there is this idea that you've got this bitterness, but are you aware of it? Or are you blinded to it? Is that one of your blind spots? Somebody said to you, you've got to deal with your bitterness. That could just backfire on you.
1: Yeah. But how else do
0: you figure out if you have it? Then they'll
1: cancel you. Yeah, Cancel, <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't you hate that?
0: You've been canceled.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, how do you know if you have a bitter root? I, I would just say one of the things reasons could be that you find you don't do very well with relationships. I think that would be very revealing. If you have a hard time keeping friends, having friends, um, very often because you do have this um, poisonous, toxic uh, place in your heart and and you direct it out and you don't even really know you're directing it out. But it's it's affecting people around you. And people will take that for so long, and then they kind of leave your life. They're not going to stay around forever. Um, I had a relative that I really felt had a bitter root, and um, it was very hurtful. And I saw this person have maybe one friend an entire life, one, and not even that close. So it it put this person into loneliness. It... it alienated the families um not good
0: yeah and the the root of bitterness Bev and I would say and you might might agree with me most of the time can start kind of small can it
1: absolutely because the, then we nurture it and yes we think about it and, and, it and we go over it and we and it grows and sometimes the longer you let it go and not deal with it um it becomes bigger and bigger in your mind. You know, you've heard of people not speaking to each other for years, and then they almost, they forget what they're not speaking to each other about. That's how uh, all of a sudden it's just about that bitter root. It's not even about the issue.
0: Yeah, you'll get to the point if bitterness takes over that your your heart will will refuse reconciliation. Yeah. You'll just say, I'm not going to go there. And all of a sudden it's just that there's the poison.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. And what how do you see this bitter root in our society today
0: out of control, yeah, I mean explosive everywhere it seems
1: mm-hmm.
0: i mean the the divisiveness right now in our in the way we conduct we don't have civil conversations anymore no, we, public
1: life is we, we, yeah, mm-hmm. it is
0: kind of we don't we don't talk like adults to each other anymore, mm-hmm. we scream mm-hmm. and yell, and all of a sudden cancel each other, and you can't think that way, so I'm not gonna you're not gonna be my friend anymore,
1: right. Right. But then at, when you contrast the love with the bitter root, it it's so profound. It, at least it was to me. As I studied this, I thought they're complete opposites. One defiles, the other one builds up. One, you know, um, puts people at odds with each other. This love reconciles people. Um one draws us to God and, you know, the bitter root will draw us away from God. We, 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 It could keep us in our relationship with God from being close to him because of this really disobedience in unforgiveness, a lot of it is, or um, a, a bitter root could be anger that has not been properly channeled. So a lot of those things can keep us from drawing close to God as mm-hmm.
0: well. And if you have bitterness, I would imagine some of the kissing cousins in your life will be resentment Cynicism, coldness, harshness, um, and maybe just unpleasant to be around. Yeah, and that's a very sad thing too. Yeah,
1: and that's why I say I think the best indicator would be relationships mm-hmm. and a pattern of broken relationships in your life, and also I think a deep loneliness within, because you you become um, like a prickly prickly. Pear or something left. Like, yeah, yeah. or, or one before. of those fish, yeah. you know, the blowfish that puff themselves up and you just don't want to touch them because they're all spiny. Um, you become like that and I, and you're isolated then. You kind of isolate yourself with a bitter root. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll find another indication would be that it pops out and it's not well under control. So it's going to, that's why it spreads. Yeah. It pops out, maybe not even that isn't even the root. It's just that that bitterness pops out and then goes and starts, you know, having other casualties uh, all around you. Yeah.
0: So how do we be on guard against the dangers of bitterness? I mean, obviously it it starts as a small root and you nurture it and all of a sudden it's a big problem. So how, you know, how do we stand guard against the, the dangers of it?
1: I think we really have to pay attention to taking care of our emotional well-being. Like when we're hurt and someone hurts us or something happens, we can't just um, run away from it or hide it in our heart and pretend like it doesn't matter because I think it does. You know, I, I years of accumulating hurt and hurt and hurt um, can give us that root of bitterness and then we become anger. After Anger comes out of that as well. Um, and so you have to... Uh, know yourself, um, know exactly what makes you tick and what is behind all that. And very often, like I shared, I didn't realize I had unforgiveness in my life. The Lord really had to kind of stop me in depression. And before I really realized that that was, there was something there. I had a bitter root of unforgiveness and the Lord had to get that out. He had to dig it out. Uh, and and it, it was uncomfortable. And it
0: came during a season of depression for it you. It did. It Yikes. did.
1: It did. I had to just kind of be flat on my back.
0: Mm-hmm. And was that contributing it, to the depression? Do you think, or was that a different issue?
1: I think it was contributing to the depression, and you know that can that could be part of uh, a bitter root too. It could be depression because they say you know one definition of depression is anger turned inward.
0: Yeah, I've heard that before too. Yeah,
1: yeah. So that would make sense mm-hmm. uh, with that.
0: So if we uproot the bitterness, what does that look like?
1: A <laughs> big relief. Okay. It but it's it's not going to be easy because it, it's it's going to be painful. You're going to have to let go of the hurt and the injustice and realize that really holding on to all that is only hurting yourself. And now you're it's just the collateral damage all around you is everywhere. And it's isolating you. It's not bringing you happiness. You know, just spend some time in First uh, Corinthians thirteen. Let's go back to that. You know, go back to those traits. Go back to putting your name in there. Um, maybe you need to repair some bridges that you canceled. You've canceled people out. Maybe you need to go back and um, ask for forgiveness for how you responded. You, you know, even if you they. You were hurt and you have every reason to be angry and to, to have this bitter root. Maybe you need to just go back and say, I'm sorry the way I responded to that. Um, try to repair it. I, I don't know. First of all, ask the Lord to forgive you. If You've got this bitterness in your life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's not from him. So it's something you don't want there. So I would confess it. I would consider and pray about going to another person and um, maybe even seeking professional help. I know I needed to talk to a counselor to help me to kind of jiggle that all through my brain sure. and get it right.
0: Yeah. And it's also very helpful to, to take that, that imaginary walk up the, the hill to where Jesus was crucified mm-hmm. and witness that crucifixion that day, that he was dying for you and your sin. Mm-hmm. And the suffering that he went through was to forgive the sins, not only of yours, but of the world. And how grateful we are that he made that sacrifice. And why? And why, yeah. Love. Love.
1: Love. Yes. If, if you are kind of are, are identifying yourself as that person with the bitter root, would you realize, take new, this whole chapter on love, that this is the way God loves you? That he always protects? That he always is loyal? That he always um, is, is seeking your best? He always protects, always trusts, always hopes. He's always persevering with you. Would you take that to be God speaking to you today, that he loves you that much? I'll tell you, that kind of love is power, right? We said that earlier. And that really can um, do a lot to heal that bitter root. So do we have bitter root relationships? Um, Do we have bitter root in how we relate to certain people groups or even a virus? I think we need to ask God today to reveal and heal any of those bitter roots Mm -hmm. that have taken hold, and instead, fill us with his love. Take it in. Let him love you, and then carry that to others. And then you'll have this enduring love that really is the greatest quality of all.
0: Sounds like this is a great opportunity to have a little prayer time tonight. Ask the Lord what uh, he might show you what you need to be exposed to and if you are sensing any root of bitterness in your life, what a beautiful opportunity tonight to take that bitterness to the Lord and just ask for forgiveness and let the love and grace of God pour into your life and uh, maybe make amends with somebody that you need to call and say, hey, we need to get right.
1: Yeah, amen. Yep. Amen. amen. Yeah.
0: Beverly Canaris has been my guest. Thanks for being here. It's been great to have you and thank you for your insight to First Corinthians 13. It's been great. That wraps up our show for the day. Thank you for listening and supporting Faith Radio and this time that you and I had together. I've loved it, and I hope you have too. Have a great night. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.